Well, it's great to, to be back today. Last Sunday I was in Carleton, and uh, about every six weeks, uh, Clint, Pastor Clint and I switch. And it's great to see what God is doing out there, but uh, it's great to be back with you today. You know, uh, we put these little brochures out again, and so I just encourage you, if you didn't take one last week, don't leave it there. Take it, check it out, learn about Convoy of Hope, and, uh, and maybe you got one, and Maybe after today, you might want to hand this to someone else because I don't know about you, but giving through a ministry is so powerful. And a lot of times we see this ministry and it's a phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're feeding 300,000 kids around, around the world. Uh, disaster relief in the United States. I mean, uh, Hurricane Ian, before the wind stopped blowing, the trucks were there ministering to people. They always go through local churches to give what's needed. It's phenomenal, the ministry, but sometimes you kind of go, well, how, how did that get going anyway? And uh, I got a chance to hear the story from the president or the man that started Convoy of Hope. His name's Hal Donaldson. And uh, he grew up in Northern California. And in 1969, he was a young teenager and uh, his, he was one of four boys. Uh, his parents loved Jesus and they went to church and this one evening, uh, the police came and knocked on their door and told them that their parents were coming home from a prayer meeting and was hit head on, killed their father, and they didn't know if their mom was going to make it or even walk again. And so Hal's the oldest, and he's got three younger brothers, and here's these police. They don't have no family in the area. And he tells the story that uh, the police officers are trying to figure out what to do. They don't really want to take the boys downtown. So they go and they get the neighbors in the neighborhood. They go and knock on doors and they ask them to all come. And they're all standing in the front yard at the front door of the Donaldson house. The four boys are standing on the steps and the police officers say, here's what happened. And uh, we don't want to have to take these four boys downtown. Who, who will take these boys? Can they just stay with you? And nobody said anything. And it's just quiet. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment? And then a man, one of their neighbors, spoke up and said, they're coming home with me. He wasn't the richest guy in the neighborhood. In fact, he had five kids of his own, and they lived in a single wide trailer. And he brought them in. And Hal said, the, the, the ministry and the love of that family still impacts him today. They lived with him for almost a year because their mom had to be in rehab that whole time and she never was able to regain her full strength and she was able, never able to walk without a limp. Well, he said, we had a local church and we wouldn't have made it unless families would come and drop off bags of grocery at our door. His mom tried to work as much as she could, but he said, I was that kid that had the high water pants because I couldn't afford to get other ones. I was that kid that was ashamed of the way I dressed and I knew that we didn't have anything. And like some of you and maybe some of you that are watching, he made this vow, I am never going to be poor. <laughs> I'm going to do something significant. So he went to college. He worked his way through college and he got his journalism degree. And he wrote his first book and he said, I'm on my track. I'm on my way. I'm ready to go. And then he had an opportunity as a journalist to go to India, to Calcutta, and he was going to be writing a book about Mark and Hulda Buntain, they have the mission of mercy, phenomenal missionaries, story for another time, but amazing. But during that visit, they said, we want you to meet somebody, and they took him to meet Mother Teresa. 
and he's meeting Mother Teresa and she's talking with him and he's a journalist and everything. And she finally just asks him, so what are you going to do? And he starts to tell her his next plans about writing and everything. And then he stopped and realized that she wasn't asking about what are you going to do with your life. She was saying, what are you going to do with the poor? What are you going to do? It rocked him. <laughs> he went home and he says, everything changed for him. He got his brothers and they, they, got, they had a small pickup and they filled it up with groceries and bagged them and went into a neighborhood that really needed it and just started handing out groceries. Something came alive in his heart and he says, we got to be about this. That was the start of Convoy of Hope. And in 1994, they went national with it where they got a, a transportation system. They're connected, not right under the Assemblies of God, but they're an affiliated ministry. And so the Assemblies of God helped get them semi-trucks, and now they've got points all over the world. And I just went, whoa, what an incredible beginning, and what a phenomenal ministry. And the big give this year is what we're doing. If you're new or uh, haven't experienced that before, the big give is literally, at Christmas time, we try to take our biggest offering ever and give it away. Usually, most normally, it's over $25,000 when all is said and done. And so what we're asking you to do through a program through Convoy, they call One Day to Feed the World, where you commit to one day's pay. Have you ever figured out what you make in a day? Some of you do and weep. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know. I figured out how much I make in one day. And uh, I thought, that's my challenge. That's what I want to give through this endeavor, through Family Life Church. You're offering to say one day, Convoy, whatever, every dime will go straight there. We're not going to take anything out of it. Even though our church could really use $25,000 right now, and the board said amen, but uh, you know what? We're given this. And as you exit, you'll see those trees with the ornaments on there. That's a great tradition we do that when you say, hey, we're going to do this, and this is between you and Jesus, you say, well, I've never given to your church before. This would be a great time to do it. It doesn't commit you. We're not going to write you a letter and say, where's the next month's <laughs> None of that. But take that ornament. And I always say the first ornament on my tree, I want to be about somebody else. So a lot of, I, I'm, I'm believing in faith, there's going to be a lot of the, under the tree for me. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you ever get to that place where you're old enough and then all of a sudden you say, well, let's just buy for the kids. Don't you hate that? Anyway. <laughs> I digress. I just want to challenge you. Maybe God would speak to you. Um, Convoy of Hope is one of the most reputable, amazing ministries out there and they get the gold standard of because I don't know about you but there's some of these ministries if you will or GMOs if you will that uh, you give and you're not really sure Convoy is the real deal and anytime you ever want to give through Convoy Hope Family Life Church you hit Convoy it'll go straight to them so I just wanted to give you another little plug about Convoy of Hope one day to feed the world and maybe you have friends that don't have a place where they connect or where they give. You might just want to give them this, say, hey, this is what we're doing. If you want to help feed some kids at Christmas, boom, this is awesome. So anyway, there's my commercial for that. Uh, so why do I always worry? You ever ask that question? I wonder how many of you in the room are worried right now. <laughs> maybe you've got an ongoing issue. Maybe there's a burden on your heart, someone you love, something you care about something you want to change, something you can't figure out. It's a never-ending wait sometimes and something that's always present with you. 
And if you do, you're not alone. Today I want to talk to you about one of the biggest, probably mental health problems facing our world today, and that is worry. And according to the World Health Organization, Americans have a bigger problem with this you than any other people in the world. <laughs> America, we win, yay, right? So the battle of this chronic, ongoing issue of worry, it's ever-present worry, it's poisoning our peace and killing our joy and and stunting our spiritual growth at times. Barna Research says that 60% of adults in the U.S. struggle with worry and stress daily. That means over half of us are dealing with this every day, not just situational. Because there's some times where I'm not worried presently, but give me a chance if something comes up, then I'll worry about that then, right? And why is it that so many of us ourselves battle worry, even though we love Jesus? How did this get into our nature? Well, I think it's because, you know, the Bible says we're born into sin, and we always tend to default towards fear instead of faith. I wish my go-to thing was always faith. I think as we continue to love God and grow in our faith, we, we can get there, but it seems like our default is always fear. Well, here's a simple test. If you're awake at night at 2 in the morning, I can almost promise you that you're not just figuring out how you can manage all the love and joy in your life, right? <laughs> Ever just say, like, man, I just, I just can't figure out how all this blessing is. That's not what I'm awake at 2 o'clock in the morning worrying about. My worry is more about my family, uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the government, uh, the price of gas, <laughs> or what I would call liquid gold. <laughs> you know, milk is... A gallon of milk is cheaper than gas. I was wondering if we get a car that ran on milk. Anyway, that's, that's other things I think about at 2 in the morning. But now we had a message already, and if you've been on the series that we call Peace of Mind, you're like, wait a minute, you already talked about anxiety. Isn't that the same thing? Well, let me just tell you that worry is different than anxiety. I don't want to oversimplify the, the issue here today, but when we think about worry, we tend to experience worry in our minds. Worry is something that gets that loop going in our mind. Anxiety is something we experience in our body. Worry is usually something specific. Anxiety comes more general. So like I told the team today, I'm, I'm worried that I might miss my flight, but I'm anxious about travel in general. You see the difference there? So last time we were talking about more in our body, and now we want to talk about in our mind. But Jesus tells us that we don't have to. With him in the rightful place, we can have an antidote to worry. That's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can turn to your word and see where you teach us and lead us and guide us. And God, this very real topic today that so many of us deal with, I'm, I, I'm first in line. God, I just thank you for your word and I pray that it would find the place in our hearts today. Amen. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, if you're joining us online, to say welcome. We love the fact that you're there. And if you just watch us online, you're more than welcome to be a part of this service. We have a host there that would interact with you. But Jesus covers five topics in uh, Matthew chapter 6 as it relates to worry. And if you've never noticed this, Jesus shows us not to worry about 
different things. He says, don't worry about finances. He says, don't worry about food. Don't worry about fitness. Don't worry about fashion. And don't worry about the future. Any budding preachers in the room said, that's money because that's like five F's, right? <laughs> I thought about saying the five F's of worry, but you know, you don't want, maybe I don't do that. Um, but Jesus says, Matthew six twenty five. therefore I tell you, do not worry. Now, any good seminary student will say that anytime you see the word therefore, <laughs> you're supposed to ask yourself, what's it there for? And so the verse just preceding this, therefore, I tell you, don't worry, is you can't serve both God and money. And so Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about your finances. You can't love God and money. Don't overly focus and obsess about money. And then he goes on, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life for what you will eat or drink, the food, there's the food there. Don't worry about your body, fitness, or what you were wear, fashion. I have this uh, Bible that I really love, and it's, it's one of those side-by-side -side Bibles. On one side, it's the New American Standard, and on the other side is the message. It's a great tool because I can read what sometimes is very familiar, and then I can go across and see how the message translates. It's just another translation. It's, it's a more... Day, uh, current language, if you will. It, it just adds insight, right? And so I want you to listen to them together. First of all, I'm going to read this portion out of the New American Standard. And, and in verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you, in other words, therefore, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body as what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor and they do not spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the fields which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Do not worry then by saying, what shall we eat what shall we drink or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Let me say that again. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We've all heard this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Most of us, if you've been around the church at all or had some Sunday school, maybe you've heard some of that. Here's the exact same passage in the message. Just a little more current, a little more contemporary. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows you, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach 
more than your outer appearance, than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes much difference? Instead, looking at the fashion, walk out in the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. I know that's a dirty word to some of you. Jesus is not saying you can't shop, so just stay with me. <laughs> but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of, of which is never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People don't know, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I like that. It's an interesting contrast. But Jesus shows us that God loves you and you value, you, your value to him is, is much more than birds, <laughs> you know, because birds don't worry. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that comparison, can I just be really transparent? When I hear that comparison, I go, come on, <laughs> you know, what, comparing me to a bird? You know, of course a bird doesn't worry. A bird doesn't have my debt, hello? <laughs> a bird doesn't have my family issues right now, right? The comparison is like, what do you expect us just to sit in a branch and cheap? <laughs> and then I see this contradiction. Really what he's illustrating is the difference between concern and worry. And somebody needs to get this today. To be clear, if a bird is hungry, it's going to go find a, bird, a worm and eat it, right? It actually does something about it. Jesus doesn't say in here, don't be concerned. He's saying, don't get in the trap of worry. Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to action. I'm concerned about my marriage, and so I'm going to seek out a good counselor. I'm concerned about my weight, and so... I'm going to cut back on Krispy Kreme and I'm going to try to throw in a walk every once in a while, right? I'm concerned about this relationship and so I'm going to prayerfully consider how to improve that. Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to action. Worry focuses on what's beyond our control and results in inaction. Stewing without doing, if you will. That's why Jesus says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Or my favorite in the, the messages, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? 
Wouldn't you love just to be an inch taller? I mean, you know, I was just under six foot. Six foot sounds so much better. Uh, it's never going to happen as much as I try to stretch. And I don't know if you notice, the birds, you never hear them at night because they're sleeping, <laughs> right? You never hear them sitting up all chirping in their, worrying in their nests and rubbing their little feathers together and saying, I don't know, supply issues. I don't know if those worms are going to be in the place tomorrow because we got a supply. You know who's present? You never hear that. But, and here's where it gets real because when we worry, we're basically saying, God, I don't really trust you. We're saying, God, I don't trust your plan. God, I don't believe you are with me and I'm not sure you're really good. I've used this line before that I got from somebody. Any good lines I usually get from somebody else, but I got this from somebody else and, and it says this, what you worry about most reveals where you trust God the least. The thing that is your go-to worry I would contend that's a place where you're unable to trust God with that thing. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to get across in this passage here is that when God is in the rightful place, he's going to align things that you can give it over to him. I don't know what it is for you that is your go-to worry. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health concern, a financial fear a personal insecurity? Suppose you just trusted God with that. What if, what if we could just say, God, I trust you with my future, my finances, my family? Suppose you just said, Jesus, just show us. But Jesus shows us what we can do. Again, if you're concerned, spend your time here. Verse 33, 633, you heard this. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Or steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You know what? Isn't that called FOMO? FOMO, right? That's, that's the, the, the anti-Facebook, right? I will look at Facebook and I just worry that I'm missing out. He says right here, You'll find your everyday human concerns, get it? Concerns, not worry, will be met. So our job is to put God first in our life. Is he really? And, and we need to really, you know, take inventory every once in a while and say, is God first in my life? I mean, in church, our, our Bible answer, of course, is like, of course he's first in my life. But if you go into my financial ledger and you look at where my money goes, you probably see what's first in my life. Is he first in my relationship? Is he first in my work? But you might say, well, I still worry. <laughs> I can understand that's all true, and I've read this before. Hey, birds are happy, they're tweeting. <laughs> The grass is beautiful, but at two in the morning, I'm going to be worried. Some of you might be that honest to say in here. But, so let me just tell you three things about worry that if you're worried about today, if you're worried about something, let's just talk about three things. First of all, if you're worried about something today, the first truth is it may never happen. Researchers at Penn State asked people 
to document what they were worried about and how many of these fears happened in the next 30 days. 91% of their worries did not come true. I don't know about you, but uh, I've got a great worry muscle. And so when I worry about something, I worry big. <laughs> I just like, you know, what if, what, you know, I, I worry about a confrontation with someone. And if he comes in and he says this, then I'm going to say that. And then if he says this, and then he's going to throw down and we're going to, you know, I mean, it's not going to happen. And there we go. Yeah, you can see me in a fight. Right. Right. So less than 10% of what we worry about will happen, but your worry will rob you of 100% of your peace. Think about that. 10% of what I worry about is possibly going to happen, but it's going to steal my peace 100% of the time. So I think that's good. I think if we just stop and go, wait a minute, this is probably not going to happen the way I'm worrying it's going to happen. The second thing is, it may happen and won't be as bad as you thought. I mean, like I said, we always go for the worst case scenario. Yep, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do great on that presentation. I was so worried about it, but it didn't matter much. Or some of you younger people, hopefully, I asked her out. She said no, but guess what? I didn't die, <laughs> right? Or, yeah, everyone laughed at me. I was more transparent than I thought, and I thought I was so embarrassed. But it seems like people like me more now. What you worried about may not happen, and if it does happen, it's probably not going to be as bad as you thought. And then the third thing says this, it may happen, and God will carry you through it. This is the God trust part. There's going to be stuff that we don't like that's going to happen. That is the truth. But, you know, I was just thinking this week, there are some painful things that have happened in my life, and God has actually brought something better out of it. Sound familiar? He works all things together for good. But I never vote for the stuff that gets me there, right? <laughs> the disappointment beforehand, and I'm saying, how can this be your plan? And then over time, when I look at it and go, oh, oh, okay. I see. And if it hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have experienced this. I worried about it happening, but look, what God did out of it, what God did through it, that very thing that I worried about that I said, I cannot go through that actually brought me closer to Jesus. So even if the things, because I'm not up here saying, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Kuma Matata. I, I, I text Pastor Clint because we're doing the same message today. And have you ever spelled a Kuma Matata? <laughs> hey Siri, how do you spell? Oh, it starts with an H. Anyway, uh, here's the truth. The worst day of your life can be the best day of your life if it brings you back to the feet of Jesus. The worst day of your life can become the best day of your life if it drives you to your knees. You know, there's some things that have happened that I did not like, but boy, I prayed a lot. And Jesus and I had a lot of conversation. And how many know that's always a good thing? Yeah. You know that every miracle in the Bible has one thing in common? I told the seniors this, so don't cheat back there. Everything, every miracle in the Bible has one thing in common. 
It's not prayer, because some miracles happen without prayer. It's not being spiritual enough, because some people that didn't even know God had miracles. It wasn't like enough faith or... No, no. The one thing that every miracle in the Bible has in common is it started with a problem. Think about that. It started with a problem. So being blessed and worry-free isn't the absence of problems. In fact, if you have a problem, Jesus says you're blessed if you have a problem because then you're a candidate for a miracle. And I'm not just trying to make lemonade, lemonade out of lemons here. Because, you know, maybe we ought to have a prayer line. We pull people forward and just say, hey, how can we pray with you? And say, everything's good. I have no problems. Well, let's pray for you a problem so that Jesus can give you a miracle. Wouldn't that be crazy? Everybody come forward. I want to pray problems over you so that you can get to a miracle. How many have a few extra problems you want to lend to people that don't have problems in the room? Just like, okay, here, you, if you want a miracle, have one of mine. But he says, oh, you of little faith, do not worry then saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear for clothing or what am I going to do if the government keeps going the way it's going or what am I going to do if inflation keeps driving things up but he says everybody Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. I want you just to, as we start to respond to the word, just for just a couple minutes, would you just kind of be honest with yourself about that thing that you're worried about right now or your go-to worry? And can you just put that within the context of maybe this is the place that I trust God the least? And it's having to come to grips with that. I think the first fall is just being honest with it and say, God, here's what I worry about. You know me. Here's what I worry about. But I want to learn to trust you. I don't want to, I don't want to not trust you in the area of my greatest worry. Just because that's the truth doesn't mean it has to continue to be for you. And maybe there's something heavy on your heart, a worry, a fear, a burden. But even that, Jesus says, if you've got cares, cast it on me. Because like I said, there's going to be concerns. But it seems like when I'm able to take the things I'm worried about and give it to Jesus, he can help me walk towards action if there needs to be action. Or maybe today, you just need to be telling yourself, okay, that which I'm worried about the most, 90% of the time is not going to happen. That which I'm worried about the most could happen, but it's not going to be as bad as I'm making it up to be in my mind. That which I worry about the most, even if it does happen, God's got this cover. And he says, whatever happens in your life, I can work it for good. And it all comes back to this, trust me. Trust me. If one thing that we could hear the voice of Jesus say to us in this room and online today is just whatever you're facing right now, can you imagine Jesus standing right next to you and saying, 
trust me. I can imagine it because that's exactly what he says to do. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. He says he knows what we need even before we ask it, even if it's a problem par excellence, the problem of all problems, even that, it puts me in a place as a candidate for a miracle. And I just want you to be able to talk to Jesus about it right now. We talked about at the very beginning here, God's presence, the Holy Spirit working in the room, Jesus in the room. Would you just take a moment and just lean into Jesus right now? And just give him that thing you're worried about. If you're watching online, just, just kind of cut the distractions. Get, sometimes you can be in a crowd and you can get alone with God and just, just have that conversation with him. And maybe you need to just hand it over, hand it over. That's calling the team just to lead us in this worship song we just sang a few minutes ago one more time. And as he begins to lead and as we begin to sing, I, some of you have worry, you have a concern and let that concern drive you to action. And the first action I would just say today that kind of helps me sometimes is just right where you're at, just stand to your feet and say, God, I'm a candidate for a miracle and I'm willing to hand this off. Help me as we sing. Just as you feel that, stand.
This is our faith declaration that when we lean into you, we're on a firm foundation. God, when we lean in to God reality, to the hope in God, to the trust in a God who knows what we need even before we ask. To be able to experience a God that so equips this world to be able to continue to move forward to where creation itself is taken care of. But yet, God has stated very clearly right at the beginning that people is his most prized creation. People that have the ability to choose to declare their faith in him. And God, today, we stand on that foundation. I pray for those in the room today. And God, you know the hearts and the minds. You know those that stood up. But it was even hard to stand up because the weight of worry was so heavy. God, thank you that we can cast those cares on you. God, I pray that you would help us to be able to differentiate between worry and concern. And if it's worth being concerned about, God, give us a path forward to take the steps we need to take. God, the enemy wants to distract us and weigh us down with worry and anxiety. Thank you, God, that you have an antidote it's to step onto that foundation and hand it over to you. God, we, we give it to you right now as best that we can. And God, I even pray for those that might be watching online, listening to this podcast or in the room today, and maybe this is just a start. Maybe they're not really ready, just to be honest, to say, I'm giving it to them. But God, I pray that you would just haunt us with this message, just dog us with this message that is going to come back to us over and over. And at some point this week, that we'll find ourselves saying, I'm giving my worry to you. I'm giving this over to you, casting my cares on you because you care for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, we can trust you with that. I pray that you'd help us trust you most in the area that is hardest. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If everyone would stand in the room, it's, these message hit right where we live. It hits me right where I live and I pray that you'll take this with you and allow God to use it in your life this week. Uh, a lot of stuff happening as the holiday season starts to wind up and we'd love to have you mark those dates down. Just be mindful of those. I know that there'll be some ladies right out here by the outward fireplace for uh, the ladies' Christmas brunch. If you want to know more about that, you can just go right out there. But uh, we also have a prayer wall. And if we can pray for you today, that's probably one of the greatest things we can do for you. So I want to encourage you just to step to the wall. If you have a prayer need, there'll be people there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you. I'll be right down here. I'm not any better prayer. In fact, there's better prayers at the tables than me. But if you'd like me to pray for you, that would be a privilege. But until... I see you again. Here's what I get to do. I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. He's bigger than your biggest worry. Give it to him. God bless you as you live the life today.
Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.